Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu wa man yudlil fala tajida lahu waliyan murshida. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الأحد القهار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala guides There is no misguidance for him And he whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala leads astray there is no guidance for him except for the will and permission of Allah Taala alone. And I bear witness and testify <coughs> that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashimi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah as he deserves to be feared and do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 57, I believe, 58, Allahu Alam. And today we are taking the 37th hadith out of the 42 hadith of the great Imam al Nawi rahimahullah. Uh, five after this one, inshaAllah, including this one, Afwan. Uh, so we're right at the end. And alhamdulillah, today's hadith is very easy, which is يعني, uh, a good thing because a lot of the hadith that have come technicalities, this hadith, inshallah, very straightforward, quick and easy, and we're out, inshallah. Bismillah. Hadith 37, عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فيما يرويه عن ربه تبارك وتعالى قال إن الله عز وجل كتب الحسنات والسيئات ثم بين ذلك فمن هم بحسنة فلم يعملها كتبها الله عنده حسنة كاملة وإن هم بها فعملها كتبها الله عنده عشر حسنات إلى سبع سبعمائة ضعف إلى أضعاف كثيرة وإن هم بها بسيئة فلم يعملها كتبها الله عنده حسنة كاملة وإن هم بها فعملها كتبها الله سيئة واحدة رواه البخاري ومسلم On the authority of Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما May Allah سبحانه وتعالى be pleased with him and his father who stated on that which the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم related from his Lord the Most High. Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has recorded the good deeds and the evil deeds. Then he clarified that. That whoever intends to do a good deed but does not do it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala records it with himself as a complete good deed. But if he intends to do it and does it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala records it with himself, with himself as 10 good deeds up to 700 times or more than that. 
But if he intends to do an evil deed and does not do it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala records it with himself as a complete good deed. But if he intends to do it and does it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala records it down as one evil deed collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. I know it sounded a bit, when you say it all together, you get a little bit confused of what did we just say. But we go through it line by line, inshaAllah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have said by his cousin, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, upon that which he relayed from his Lord. Now this generally is called a hadith, <coughs> hadith, Qudsi, hadith Qudsi, which is the narrations of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the relations of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that which he related from Allah, which is not the Qur'an. Hadith that is Al-Qudsi is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Allah said, that is not the Qur'an. Now, regarding this specific hadith, there are two opinions. This specific hadith here that we have in our hands, there is two hadith, two opinions. The first opinion is that it's Hadith Qudsi. And that is the major, يعني, the chunk of يعني, scholars are in this opinion. The majority of the scholars are in this opinion that this is a Hadith Qudsi. A Hadith where the Prophet, peace be upon him, has stated, Allah said. The second opinion is mentioned by Ibn Hajar, rahimahullah, in Fathul Bari, which he states that this Hadith is a Hadith that the Prophet وسلم, stated which Ibn Abbas an told us that the source of this hadith is Allah. The source of this hadith is Allah. Just is the case with every other hadith. So over here, Ibn Abbas an is telling the rest of the companions and also the tabi'een, his students, that the source of the sunnah, where the Prophet got the sunnah from, was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the opinion of the people of the sunnah and Ahlul Hadith, which the position is that the sunnah itself comes from Allah. That the sunnah itself comes from Allah. The Qur'an is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah is also revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated in a hadith that is authentic that I have been given the Qur'an and something like it. Utitu al-Qur'ana wa shay'an mithlah. That I was given the Qur'an and something like it. Yani something like the Qur'an that is also revelation which is the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Another hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated aqulu ma uqawwal that I say as I am made to say and in another narration that is also authentic from the tabi'een that Jibreel alayhi salam would descend upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the sunnah just as he would descend upon him with the Qur'an Jibreel alayhi salam would descend upon the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the sunnah just as he would descend upon him with the Qur'an. And we see this in the sunnah many, many times. We see this in the sunnah many, many times. Yani for instance, there were certain questions that came posed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where the Prophet did not answer. 
the Prophet وسلم, when he was asked a certain question, he did not answer. This happens in many instances in the seerah. For instance, in the time of Hajj where someone had come with perfume on his ihram, on his white shroud that he was wearing to go in front of the Kaaba. Now, the Prophet وسلم, when he was asked this question, he didn't have the answer to it. However, he refused to answer and the man went away after continuously re- repeating his question. Then Jibreel السلام, the angel comes down to the Prophet and gives him the answer to this question. And so the Prophet after the revelation had came asked where is the man who just asked this question? Where is he? And then he was brought to the Prophet and then he was told the rights of the ihram itself. Yani when something comes on your ihram, how are you meant to deal with it? Now this revelation that came, we don't see it in the Qur'an. We see it in the answer that the Prophet ﷺ gave this man. Other times, where certain people came to the Prophet ﷺ and asked certain questions, then that was found in the Qur'an. They ask you about the soul. So sometimes... The questions that were posed to the Prophet ﷺ is in the Qur'an. And other times it came in the revelation of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So over here, this hadith, the second opinion is that it is a way to state and show that this is a hadith like the other hadiths of which the Prophet ﷺ is gathering it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a form of revelation. That this hadith is revelation by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a teaching mechanism. However, as we mentioned, the first is the more popular opinion. The majority opinion is that this is a hadith that is Qudsi, the hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would relay from Allah. That is not the Qur'an. Now, there is another discourse about whether the Qur'an... Sorry, today I am feeling a little bit under the weather, so you have to bear with me. Uh, there is a discourse... يعني a scholarly uh, discourse on whether a hadith Qudsi is it the word of Allah and the wording of the Prophet or is it the meaning of Allah and the meaning and the wording of the Prophet? Is the, both the wording and the meaning from Allah hadith Qudsi or is just the meaning from Allah and the wording is from the Prophet Now Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen rahmatullah has a very beautiful statement on this. He says it doesn't matter. This is not from the things that you try to delve into. What you say is this is a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ narrated regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't have to go into the nitty-gritty of it because you don't know. And because you don't know, you don't have to enter these grey matters. And this is something that is very, very important. We stop where the line stops. You don't try to cross it and try to put your two cents in there. You stop where the line stops in the sense where we know that this is a hadith that was related by the Prophet relaying to us what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. Now that's all we know. Do we know if its wording and meaning came from Allah just as the Qur'an is? We know that the Qur'an is the word and the meaning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? But over here we weren't given this knowledge of whether this here is the wording of Allah and the meaning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know the meaning is from Allah, definitely. But is the wording from Allah? We don't know. So we stop. And this is a qa'ida, a principle that was given to us by Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen, rahmatullah Then the hadith continues that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written down the good deeds and the evil deeds. 
He has ordained it. Now there is difference of opinion of what this what this means. One opinion is that he has ordained what equates to a sin, and he has ordained what equates equates to a good deed. Yani to Allah subhanahu wa taala, there is no yani gray area. A sin is a sin, and a good deed is a good deed. Allah subhanahu wa taala has written down what is what. And then the hadith continues and says ذلك, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is where the difference happens, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has explained it to us. He's explained what the good deed and the evil deed is. And the scholars like Shaykh Salih al-Sheikh, Hafidahullah tabarak wa ta'ala, he states, Then he has revealed it in the Qur'an. He has told us in the Qur'an what is a good deed and what is an evil deed or the essence and the truth of each of which. Yani each of the good deeds and each of the evil deeds, the essence of it you find it in the Qur'an. Whether it's the stories of the anbiya of the past of which were targeting social ills or specific sins which are the root of all evils. Yani we see that in uh, whether it was yani the financial mismanagement or sexual uh, sins or whatever it was, right? The essence of sin is found in the Quran, and the essence of good deeds is found in the Quran. We find it all there. So, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has explained it to us, explained it in the Quran what is a good deed and what is a bad deed. The second opinion is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written down what is a good deed and a bad deed, and then this is the bayan, this is the explanation coming now. The explanation that continues, this is the explanation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of what a good deed and a bad deed, how it is written, that is what is going to be told. That it was then explained, explained how it was written. So there are two opinions here. Then the hadith continues. And whoever intends to do a good deed, whoever has the intention to do a single good deed, any good deed, hasana, something, it's not specifically prayer, it's not specifically reading Quran, it's not specifically giving charity, hasana, any good deed. Then the Prophet says, فَلَمْ يَعْمَلْهَا But he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. He doesn't get the chance to do it. He's unable to do it. Something comes between him and doing this actual good deed that he wants to do. What happens? Then the Prophet ﷺ continues and says, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes it for him as a complete good deed. This is from the generosity and the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He intended to do something. He wasn't able to do it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a complete good deed. Example, someone goes to bed tonight and he says, Monday night class is good now. Feeling high iman, I'm getting a pump. It's a good day today. I'm going to pray Qiyamul Layl, the night prayer. Right? He's jeed up. I'm going to pray Qiyamul Layl. He doesn't remember that yesterday he's been up all night. Whatever it is he needs, he's going to conk out this bloke. Haram alay. And he goes to bed 10, at 10 p.m. after class, after Isha. He goes, sleeps, but he has the niyyah. He really wants to wake up and pray the night prayer. He really wants to. However, he wakes up at his alarm. Yani he misses the first six, eight alarms that he had. And then he wakes up just before Fajr. And by the time he makes wudu, he has enough time to just pray Fajr. And he's missed it now. 
He's missed the opportunity to pray the night prayer. Over here, he had the intention, but something came in between him and praying that prayer, he gets the reward. He gets the reward. If that isn't bounty and generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahu alam what's generosity. You didn't even do it, but you get the reward of doing something. Yani for instance, another scenario, this happens, someone says, they see someone or they know of someone, yani a case gets brought out, it's get put on, something gets put on Facebook, مثلاً, that there is someone in need, and he needs a thousand dollars, and then so you say, I'm going to go home today, I'm going to get 500 bucks, I'm going to go and help the cause. But by the time you get home, you call the brother, hey, I'm coming now to give you the $500, I want to help towards the cause, I want to help towards this. The brother says, Habibi, don't worry, someone came and gave the grand. He gave $1,000. Don't worry, no need. Keep it. So over here, something came between him and wanting to do this good deed. Over here, he gets the reward of wanting to do that good deed. He gets the reward. Another example, and this goes with, for instance, we just did salah, prayer. Then we did charity. This even works with hajj and umrah. You have the intention to do hajj. You weren't able to go because of COVID. Some restriction came in. You didn't get يعني, the lottery of the visas or whatever happens. You had the niyyah. You had the niyyah. You had the intention. And because you had the intention, you get the reward. Now this doesn't mean that if you يعني, had the intention for hajj, you haven't done hajj. It means that you don't have to do hajj anymore because you got the hajj reward. It doesn't work like that. You still have to do hajj when, you, when you're able to do hajj. And that is something that doesn't fall off you. But the, what we're focusing on is the reward and the generosity of Allah. That this is through, across the board. With any good deed. With any good deed. You get the reward of what you intend. Even if you're unable to do it. Now, there's a difference between intending something seriously. And driving past. You're going down and you're driving down a slum and you go, I wish I could fix that up. Right? And you have no actual intention of doing it. It's just the thought that comes to your mind. That's a difference between just having a thought and wanting to actually do something. Planning it out. Taking steps towards it. So over here, if you walk past something, يعني, um, a house is on fire and you drive by. <laughs> I wish I had some water to put that out. Or some, something, you know what I mean? Something was there. If it was just a mere thought, that's not counted. You have to have the intention. Like for instance, you see a house burning, I need to quickly go get water. By the time you go get water, and then you come back, fire extinguishers there, there's يعني, a fire truck, he's putting it out. You have the intention there to put out that fire, but you weren't able to. Something came in between you. But inshallah, you get the reward. Clear? Alhamdulillah. Then the hadith continues. وَإِنْ هَمَّ بِهَا فَعَمِلَهَا And if he intends a good deed and then actually carries it out, he does the good deed. The first one, he gets a reward for not doing it. Now what happens if he actually does it? He had the intention now and he does it. What's the reward of this? كَتَبَهَا اللَّهُ عِنْدَهُ عَشْرَ حَسَنَاتٍ إِلَى سَبْعِمِئَةِ ضُعْفٍ إِلَى أَضْعَافٍ كَثِيرًا the Prophet ﷺ says, if he does it, then it is written for him multiplied 10 times to 700 times or even more than that. So over here, you have a good intention and then you do it. It is multiplied for you as a bare minimum 10 times. 10 times. Up to 700 times it is mentioned, but even more than that. 
even more than that. And there are some narrations of hadith, even though they have weakness on it, it says thousands of times. And this is from the generosity of Allah, the favor of Allah. He doesn't want you to, يعني, everyone has this idea that Allah just is just an angry being and he's يعني, miserly, like the Yahud say about Allah, that he's stingy, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want to give. Allah wants to give. But you have to do something to earn it. Even if it's the me intention, you get something. But over here, when you have the intention and you do it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the bare minimum gives you ten times. Now, how do you get more? How do you get up to that 700 plus? And it's written down by the scholars that someone who acts on knowledge, that's the first thing. He has the knowledge of what he is going to do and the sincerity that he has. So the first is the knowledge of the action that he is going to do. He knows that it is authentically transmitted and taught to us by the Prophet ﷺ. He finds this, whatever action it is, he finds that it is the Prophet ﷺ sunnah. And then he does it accordingly. The second is the level of sincerity he has. How much he glorifies Allah. How much he intends to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from his inner soul. However much he wants to push himself. Then the reward is given accordingly. So however close you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the actual niyyah that you have. The intention that you have. The sincerity that you come with. That is what depends how much it is going to be multiplied. And so for instance... If someone wants to pray and he learns about parts of the prayer of the Prophet. So, for instance, he knows that when he says Takbiratul Ihram, the first Takbir, when he says Allahu Akbar, it is from the Sunnah to lift your hands up towards your ears. Right? So, he knows that this is the Sunnah. So, he does it. But if he doesn't know that the, another sunnah is that when he says the second Allahu Akbar, when he's going down to the bowing prostration, to the ruku'ah, if he doesn't know it, then he won't get the same reward because he hasn't done the same action. So he's, they're both praying, but one is closer to the sunnah. One is closer to the sunnah. So therefore the reward will be more insha'Allah. So knowledge is a very, very important thing so that your actions will be multiplied. <coughs> there is a hadith that is authentic that... A man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And this hadith is found in Sahih Muslim On the authority of Ibn Mas- Abi Mas'ud radiallahu an That a Prophet so that A person came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam With a single camel A single camel And he said I am giving you this O Messenger of Allah This is a hadith in Sahih Muslim Authentic He says O Messenger of Allah This camel of mine I am giving it for the sake of Allah As a donation Charity and the Prophet ﷺ stated that for you on the day of judgment is 700 camels like it. Instantaneous multiplication. One camel, and the Prophet ﷺ is saying on the day of judgment for you is the reward of 700 camels. One deed. One deed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala multiplies it. The reward. May we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to multiply our rewards, Ya Rabb, to the highest degree, Ya Rabb. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continues, and he says, وَإِن 
And if he intends to do an evil deed So first now we've done the good deed Done the good Someone who had the intention didn't do it gets a reward Someone who had the intention and does it gets bare minimum 10 Multiplied or up to 700 plus Then the Prophet says That if he intends to do something evil But he doesn't do it So he's intended to do something but he hasn't done it. Then, كَتَبَهَ اللَّهُ عِنْدَهُ حَسَنَةً كَامِلَةً Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes it for him as a good deed. He wanted to do something evil, and he didn't do it. I want you to listen to me. He wanted to do something evil, evil, bad, and he didn't do it. And Allah gives him a reward for just avoiding it. He didn't do anything. He was actually intending to do something bad. However, Scholars over here, they put a little bit of a line, a handbrake, and they say that this is only the case for the one who abandons an evil deed for the sake of Allah. If someone wanted to do an evil deed, but he did not do it for the sake of Allah, because he feared Allah, feared the punishment, and he didn't want to upset, يعني, do something that transgresses the rights of Allah. Then over here he has this reward. As for the one who wanted to do it, intended to do it, but had a car crash before he could, but he still wanted to do it. He was unable to do it, not because of the fear of Allah, just because something got to him before it. He was unable to do something before it. Over here, the scholars state that he gets the sin of what he wanted to do. Now over here, just because... يعني, a lightning bolt struck his car That doesn't mean he's protected from sin No, you intended to do evil You were going to do evil You went on your way to do evil Something stopped you, you're still getting that evil deed You're still getting that evil deed It wasn't the fear of God that stopped you No, it was just the fact that you had something come your way So over here, through the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ That was narrated by Abu Bakr that the Prophet ﷺ stated that if two people come together attacking each other with swords and one of them kills the other, then both of them are in the hellfire. If two people come at each other with swords, then the killer and the one who is killed are both in the hellfire. Abu Bakr says, O Messenger of Allah, we understand why the killer is going to go into the hellfire. But why is the one who is killed in the hellfire? And the Prophet ﷺ said they were both keen to kill each other. He came with a sword and he came with a sword and they were trying to kill each other. And just because one killed the other doesn't free the other person from his sin. They are both in the hellfire. Both of them are in the hellfire. So over here the scholars have stated that from this hadith, if someone was unable to do something, but he intended to do it, then over here even if it's a sin, he gets the punishment of that sin. He still has to carry the weight of that sin. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection. So over here, the one who intended to do an evil deed, but was unable to do the evil deed out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then over here, that is the person who gets a reward for not doing this evil. Now the second is, وَإِنْ هَمَّ بِهَا فَعَمِلَهَا كَتَبَهَا اللَّهُ سَيِّئَةً وَاحِدًا That if he intended to do it, 
and he did it. So the first one, he's intended to do evil, but he didn't do the evil. The second one now here is he intended to do evil, and he did the evil. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes it down as one evil deed. He doesn't multiply it like he does with the good. You're written down for whatever you do. Whatever you do, that is what is written down. There's no multiplication over here for your sins. It's just what you did. Now there are certain sins, the scholars when they mention this, yes, there are certain sins that are heavier on the scales, more severe on the scales, than other sins that are sometimes subject to time and place. So for instance, a sin in, in the haram around the Kaaba, in the sacred, sacred city of Mecca, or in Medina, or in Jerusalem, in Al-Aqsa, a sin over here is more severe than a sin outside of those places. Because of an added level of sanctity that is given to that place. So the sin is not multiplied, it's just more severe. Is that understood? That a sin depending on the place that you are. Like if you do something haram in this masjid, it's not the same as you doing something haram, even if it's the same thing outside. Why? This is a house of Allah. This is a bayt min buyutillah. A house from the houses of Allah. So over here, if you're talking to someone that you're not meant to be talking to, and you all know what I'm talking about, if you're doing that in the masjid, it's worse than you're doing it outside. Why? This place has a sacred nature. This place has a sanctity that you should not try to breach. This place is a house from the houses of Allah. It's not just a path. Right? So over here, a sin can be more severe depending on the place. The second is depending on time. So we know that we have sacred months. We know that we have sacred months. Four months in the year that are sacred. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do not transgress against yourselves in these four months. Why? It's because they are sacred in nature. So you go against Allah in these months, then you are transgressing against the sanctity of these holy months. For instance, yani Ramadan for us, is a very holy time. It's a very special time for us, right? And there are hadith that are da'if that say that it is multiplied. But it's not multiplied. But a sin in Ramadan is severe. Why? It's because everything around you is muhayya. It's ready for you to, to worship Allah. And you're choosing your time to disobey Allah. So over here, something is more severe than others. Just like sins are more severe than others. Fornication, zina, is not as the same as swearing. It's both sin, but some are more severe than others. So over here, yes, there are sins that are more severe than others. However, there is no multiplication of it. Not just, for instance, if you did something one time, you swore one time, then it is going to be as if you swore ten times. That's not, that doesn't exist in our sharia. However, if you swear at someone, that is one sin. However, if you swear at the deity of the God of another person, even though it's false deities, it's a greater sin. Because why? The commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was, do not swear at their gods because they will swear at Allah. So over here, you're going and doing a different sin. It's more severe, even though it's swearing. 
So certain things can elevate your sin, can heighten it, can increase it. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. Then in Sahih Muslim, there is an extra wording that is there. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also, after writing it down, he can wipe it away. You can be forgiven for what you have done. And this is something that is very important that the person who sins against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, he is either forgiven by the mercy of Allah or punished by the justice of Allah. You're not promised his forgiveness and you're not promised him being just with you. You are promised that he will deal with you accordingly. Either you get forgiven or either you get dealt with justly. But there is never anything that is transgression or unjust. There is never something. You're not going to get punished for doing zina if you only stole a cupcake. Right? You're not going to get... Yani, I needed to wake you guys up. You guys... <laughs> you're not going <laughs> to... You're not going to get punished for something that you didn't do. There's no increase of sin in that way. Insha'Allah that is clear. And then there is... <coughs> there is an addition also in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet ﷺ continues and says that no one is destroyed at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except the one that is really perished, the one that is really destroyed. What he means by this is that no one is destroyed until they do it to themselves. No one is destroyed, no one loses that final race except if they do it to themselves. Now, some of the Sahaba, like Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an and Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma have stated that the one whose singular actions overcome his multiplied actions is destroyed. The one whose singular actions, yani your sins, they're just taken as singular actions. If they overcome your multiplied actions, something that is multiplied by 10 to 700, Anjad, you deserved it. Really, يعني, you actually, you were transgressing to a level that really you deserved it. So the one who is destroyed is the one who does it to himself. That the one whose singular actions, your good deeds, your bad deeds, your evil deeds, overcome that which is multiplied, then you have been, in, يعني, you have done it to yourself. You are completely destroyed. And this is something that is very, very important, that we understand the generosity and the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you so much All you have to do is work for it And his generosity is so much That even if you don't do an evil deed He rewards you And the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Goes so far Where even though he can multiply it He doesn't He gives you just as you did That is complete justice and complete generosity. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to deal with us with his generosity. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us an increase in all of our good deeds. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to resurrect us with those who have been increased in their good deeds. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put us with al-anbiya wa shuhada wa saliheen on the day of judgment. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put us in al-firdaus al-ala wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Jazakum Allah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Albayan Radio, 
The Voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.